Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with my co-host, Wynne Morgan. Hi, Wynne. Hello, Kate. And joining us today, we have Mavis, Mavis Karn. How are you, Mavis? I'm good. Can I tell him that we just had a funny experience? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay. I just told a, a story about what happened to me, and I didn't know we were recording, so I'm going to tell it again. So here we go. <laughs> I'm such a techno wizard. Anyway, Kate asked me um, if there was anything new and fresh for me, right? Absolutely. And I uh, said that um, I don't. In the in the forty or forty five years that I've that I've been aware of how we're made, aware of the source of all human experience. Um, the content of what I've what I've uh, seen as fresh doesn't change much. It's just it's just the depth of it. I just I keep seeing. Oh, it's that simple. Things will happen, and they happen differently than they would have happened had I not known how I made. Or same with when I'm working with other people, they things will happen and there's not the drama or the reactivity that occurs from them happening. And I think, oh, well, that's interesting. That would have driven me nuts not too long ago. So I keep seeing the same wonderful news deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. So then, for the second time around, I'm going to tell you what happened that, that deepened that. Um, I recently had an experience where I needed to uh, go to the emergency room. And it began when I was on a, a Zoom with um, a friend of mine who was just telling me some wonderful news. And as that was happening, um, I noticed my hand getting really heavy. And that's the only word I can come up with. It wasn't hurt. It wasn't, it does nothing else bothered me except my, my head got heavy too. And I said to him, I, something's happening. I, I need to stop here a minute, which I did. And after a few minutes, it just dissipated. And I, I set that information off to the side and we, we just finished the call and after the call was over, it, it happened again. And into my head came a memory of a couple of weeks before that I had been reading some stuff about the brain and they were talking about TIAs, little mini strokes. And they said, most people just blow those off because they're just kind of little incidences that aren't painful or anything. And they just go, oh, well, what was that? And they blow it off. And 
there was just this one little paragraph in this thing that said, don't do that. Go immediately to um, an emergency room. So called 911, rode an ambulance and went to the emergency room and all these people are taking tests and MRIs and CAT scans and blood and blah, all that. And I noticed every once in a while that I was wondering when something was going to happen that I was going to get, get scared of this whole thing. And, and that didn't happen. Nothing happened. I, it, I found it interesting. Um, there were really, really wonderful people helping me. Um, they answered my questions. Nothing happened until I got into the CAT scan and they told me I couldn't move. Then I got scared. And you would have thought that moving meant death. It didn't. It just means they would have had to take that part of the picture over again. Not in my head. Don't move meant we'll kill you if you move. So <laughs> that's the only time. And I didn't think that was funny until a few hours later. But then I thought, isn't that interesting? I haven't had any fears about maybe this is it for me. Maybe I'm done with this life or I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of a, oh, what if this and what if this and what if this? none of that happened. And believe me, years ago, that's exactly what, what happened. I would have been terrified. And that's what I mean by it gets simpler. It's that simple. And I'm not telling anybody that story to um, brag about how grounded I am. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm telling you that story because for me, it was like, oh, that's possible for us. That's possible for us. And I think that's a really good thing to know. But there in my life, there's one more circumstance that doesn't give, get to decide how I experience it. That's so comforting. It's so comforting. It's, for me, it's just, it's just proof that we are divinely engineered that we are awesomely made and that we have apps that would put an iPhone to shame. We are just magnificently made and we don't know that. It seems, it seems like, like if you ever watched television and actually counted the number of things people want you to take because you're broken and sick and there's something wrong with you and so forth and, or, or, or you should take weight off, or you should put it on, or all these things you should do to make sure that um, you, you, you're at least sort of okay. And we get bombarded with those, like, take this, you'll feel better. Buy this, it'll make your life better. And it's, it's no wonder we walk around feeling less than or incomplete or in need of remodeling or fixing or 
feeling shame or guilt or whatever because we, we just don't know that we are just magnificent, as is the rest of creation. We have not been left out of the plan. And that too is something I see just deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm 82, so I, you know, I don't know how much time I have left, but I know that I'm not done seeing that it's deeper and more and more simple, more and more simple. That doesn't mean it's not intricate. Creation is intricate. It's amazing. But our ability to experience it is simple. We were given the gift of thought to experience life, but we were given guidance so that we don't misuse that thought. Senses. Is that a deal or what? Isn't that awesome? Every time you upset yourself, it hurts. It's supposed to. But we didn't know it was supposed to, so we want to numb it or um, pour something on it. But it's, it's supposed to hurt to touch a hot stove. Isn't that handy? That is really handy. It's like the way that we're sitting right now, all of us. If we sit that way too long, there's an, a nice friendly discomfort that will show up to let us know, shift. The position you're taking is now creating discomfort. Shift is obvious, right? Same with emotions. The position you're taking is now creating discomfort. <laughs> you're, you're worrying. You're judging, you're scaring yourself to death. It's supposed to hurt to use thinking that way. Isn't that handy? Don't you think that's handy? Very handy. Yeah. So here's another app. If, if you know, right now we're looking at the screen, right? If you look off to a far wall, now what you did, just with intention, you changed the aperture on the lens of your eye. Who thought that up? Isn't that amazing? Just with intention. I'm telling you, we're, we're really something. And we get educated away from that real early. But we are always really something, even when we think we're not. And that just keeps getting more and more obvious. 
truer and truer and truer. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so I'm curious, Mavis, because you mentioned 40 to 45 years ago. Could you talk us a bit about those early experiences about how you came to understand what you what you see now and what that was like? Sure. I'm going to tell you the story of it because my memory is just goofy, but um, at the time, I was working as a family therapist at a place called the Bridge for Runaway Youth in Minneapolis. It was a wonderful place, but it was like an emotional emergency room. It was just uh, emotionally chaotic all the time. And I love working with kids and families, but boy, it was, I had my own three kids and it was exhausting. And it was exhausting mostly because I didn't know how to make it not exhausting. But um, one, one day my boss said he was invited to a workshop at graduate school at the University of Minnesota and he couldn't go, did I wanna go instead? And so that meant, I can't remember, two or three days off work. Yes, I didn't even care what it was about. <laughs> so I went and, um, and there were three PhD psychologists from Florida who had been spending some time with a man named Sid Banks. And they had some things to say. And all I heard was, it's all about our thinking. It's our thinking. I can't even tell you anything else they said. I'm sure they said a lot of wonderful things to support that. But I thought the top of my head was going to come off. It was just, I knew that was true. But I went home and I slept 15 hours. And... Then for the next few months, I decided I was going to disprove that because that was way too simple. That's never going to work. So I kept coming up with, well, I'm a single mom. I rarely have enough money. Um, that's not my thinking. That's really stressful. That is not my thinking. But then I would think, okay. Does every single mom with three kids that rarely has enough money experience it exactly the same way all the time? No. Well, all right then. So I'd come up with another one. Well, how about when somebody close to you dies? That's not the thinking. Well, does everybody feel exactly the same way all the time when someone close to them dies? No. Who could, even if you hadn't gone to that workshop, who could say yes to that? Yeah. Question after question after question. And I could not find a hole in it. And at the same time, 
I started feeling better. I hadn't noticed that for a while, but I started, I don't know, enjoying my work more, worrying a little bit less, I think. And then um, one of my friends, Joe Bailey, um, said, do you want to have lunch? <laughs> and he had just spent some time with Sid and was telling me about it. And I could see that something about Joe had changed. He was lighter and less serious. And I was curious about that. So the next time a Sid Banks thing came up, I went out to wherever it was I went, I don't remember, and heard him. I didn't understand anything he said. I thought, I don't get it. What's the big deal? But there were people there that were just enthralled. I was not one of them. <laughs> I read his book and I thought, well, you know, that's nice. But still, all I remembered was, it was, it's our thinking. And there aren't any particularly incidences or anything that I, that I incidences after that. It just, I was on a dimmer switch. It kept getting brighter and brighter. And I understood more and more what Sid was saying, but I just thought he was being clearer. Um, and it just, I just couldn't, couldn't find any arguments anymore. I did go back to work after, after that weekend and said to my people, I can't work in the way that I've worked before. Um, because I learned something that just, made it impossible. I can't go back into the past. I can't, I can't do that. But I have a list of really good people that still work that way. And they're really good people. And I, I'd be glad to refer you. And none of them wanted to do it. And I thought they were nuts. None of them wanted to take me up on that. But what's the matter with these people? I don't even know how to explain what I learned. But they a couple of the moms told me later, we could see something had happened to you. And we wanted to know what that was. One woman said, there was a light around you. Um, I was a little dubious about that one, but I knew she was talking about a feeling, right? And, I, and they stuck with me and they kept asking me things that pulled the answers out of me. It was my first experience with having an answer come to me from a different place than learned memory. And I started seeing that I could, I could see more of what I had learned by just listening to myself explain it to somebody else. And that was exhilarating. It was the beginning of seeing the difference between who I thought I was and who I really am.
And that's pure gold to discover who you actually are and to, as best you can, live from there and not some idea of how you should be or other people think you are or who you think you are, to just be who you actually are, which is way more than enough for anything. No more diagnosis. No more, oh, let's see if we can't fix the past. That'll make you feel better. Or let's see if we can guarantee how the future is going to work out. That'll help you. None of that. Just what you're looking for, you've been walking around with your whole life. Who you really are. And the only thing that can keep you from living from there is not realizing you can or living up here with a bunch of old noise. But you can't be any farther away from it than a realization, which is, again, a great app. Did I answer that question? Yeah. I always forget the question. It was the early days and how it all started, because while I've listened to you speak quite a few times and I've read that letter to kids and former kids, I don't know how many times over the last, say, five years, because oh. I'm always touched by it and always it moves people when I read it out to them as well. Oh, I'm glad you're using it. Yeah. It's a treat. But here's one question I have from what you just shared, Mavis. It's when you said who we really are. How would you describe that? We are a perfect part of a perfect whole. We are pure potential that thinks, that creates, and can realize it thinks and creates. How's that? Well, I was touched by it, so yes. How's that? I was moved. That's because it's the truth. And that's how it feels when you hear your own truth or anybody else's truth. It's like, well, I knew that. That's the, the, the simple beauty of what we do when we pass this on is, uh, we're actually telling people what they already know. They just may not know, know they know it, but we're pointing them to that. We're not putting anything into them that wasn't there. And then we charge them a lot of money for that. Isn't that wild? Well, sometimes we don't, but, but the point is what a wonderful way To, to be of service to yourself and other people, to just um, 
pass on the truth as best you know it. You talked about a realization that comes from inside and how that's the best app of all. Will you talk more about that? You know, there's a, um, somebody was interviewing Bob Dylan once and asked him how he went about the creative process. And he's, he said, oh, I don't have a creative process. I just pick songs out of the air and write them down. And I remember thinking, oh, that makes sense. Now there's a time in my life I wouldn't have thought that made sense. I thought he was just being goofy Bob Dill, right? But that just makes sense that we are made so that not only can we retrieve information from this, have you ever seen a picture of the brain? That's the funniest looking thing, it's like a cauliflower. And it's got all this stuff that it can do, which, which, also, which includes storing memories of your entire life in it. A cauliflower thing does that, right? So we can retrieve at will information from that. But we can also receive information that came to it. An insight. Aha. That wasn't in your memory. It came to it. Can you get your head around that? <laughs> I can't get my head around that. But it, you, you have probably experienced this when you're working, just like me, that um, I don't prepare what I'm going to say. I have no idea what I'm going to say. Um, I used to think I did. I used to have cards and notes and all of this stuff. and I can't remember the last time I ever did anything like that. I just know that what I need for the moment will show up and all I have to do is get out of the way so I can hear it. Now that's not magic, that's an app. That's how we're made. We can receive the, inf the information we need for the moment, the next right step, a story that comes to you that illustrates something and you say, I didn't. I can't remember the last time I thought about that, but it's this perfect story that's a mixture of a realization and a memory. Now, there are people that study the brain that can explain that all a whole lot better than I can. But I do know there's always there's also divine science that we can understand without knowing, how, without knowing how to explain it. Understanding is way more important than being able to explain something. Can you see the difference? Yes? There are all kinds of our clients 
the people that we work with and people we know that don't have a clue how to explain what's now called the three principles. It's, I've been around when it's, there's been a lot of names. So, but right now it's a three principle. There's all kinds of people who have no idea how to explain that, but they can understand how we're made. And that's the big deal. That's it. Did that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. See, you know about that, don't you? Yeah. I have another, oh my gosh, that can, we can do that thing. Do you want to hear that? Um, there's a chiropractor I go to that does um, cranial sacral work and he lives about 40 minutes from my house and it's, but it's a beautiful drive. It's, it's um, in the country in some rolling hills and it's a really pretty drive to go there. And this was a couple of years ago. I, I was on my way there and coming up, it's, it's on a, just a two lane highway going both ways. And coming up the hill towards me were two huge semi trucks taking up the whole road, coming at me, right? I pulled over onto the side. They roared by me. I pulled back onto the highway, just driving along. And I went, wait a minute, what was that? And I realized what could have happened had I not driven off to the side on the road. And then I got scared. Oh my God, what if I wouldn't have done that, right? But then I thought, oh my gosh, we can do that. There was only one option to stay alive there. Pull over, not slow down. They were coming too fast, not stop, you're dead. I'd go off to the left. That wouldn't have worked. We didn't have time. And I didn't think that way. I just pulled over onto the side. Again, that's not because I'm made differently. That's what's possible for us human beings. To have the next right step, and in this case, the only right step available at the right time in the right place. Does that make sense? It's not really any different than, um, like lately I've been watching the Stanley Cup, the hockey, hockey championship games. And I have a, a great nephew that's playing for one of the teams. And anyway, um, all athletes, I've spent a lot of time working with athletes and their teams and they're easy to explain how the mind works if you, if you tell them about the zone. They all know about the zone. That state of mind when you're playing, when you're just, one guy said, you're just playing out of your mind. It's sort of true, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not in your head trying to figure out how to play the game. Your game is coming through you you're clear and they will all describe it in kind of ethereal terms like, oh, it's like you could play forever. You'd never 
give her, oh, this happens and that happens. And I've made plays that I didn't even know I could make in it. And that's, every baby is in the zone most of the time. Every little kid's in the zone most of the time. They're not thinking about the past. They're not thinking about the future. They're just in the moment and everything is so interesting. Now, most of the clients that I've had that were athletes had no idea that the zone was portable. That you didn't have to be playing hockey or football or baseball or basketball or soccer or rugby or whatever. You, you could take that state of mind anywhere because that state of mind is you. You with your head clear. You in the moment. Do you ever notice how much easier it is to do things when you're not worried about how to do them? It's just us with our heads clear. I had a long time ago, I had a neurosurgeon as a client. And the only reason he came to see me is that his wife was going to divorce him if he didn't. So he had no interest in seeing me, but he was, he wanted to be, stay married. So, okay, there he is. And he, and he was just, he just looked at me like, I dare you to tell me something I don't already know. So I figured, well, you know, this might not work. But um, I just, I started by asking him, he was just telling me, you know, how difficult it was at home and all of this stuff. And I asked him, uh, when did he feel the best in his life? When did he feel the way that he could, wish he could feel all the time? And he answered like that, he said, oh, in surgery. Now that is not what I thought he was gonna say. I couldn't imagine, of course, I'm not a surgeon, but I couldn't imagine working on somebody's brain and just being relaxed, right? Just like, but he, he started talking about it. He said, have you ever seen a living brain? I said, no. And he just lit up and he was describing what it looked, how beautiful it was. And, and I wish I could remember all the things he said about it, but he was just, it was like he was in love with the brain. And he said, when I'm working, I have this piece of music and that just beautiful music on. He works with people that he's, they're, they're like clockwork. There's just this team of just, I just felt so much better even listening to him. It just, and he said, and the trouble starts when I walk out of the surgery. <laughs> and so, so it took a while, but we had, it didn't take that long, I guess, but we had wonderful discussions about how great it was that he could experience that and how understanding the human mind is different than understanding the human brain 
that he could take that beautiful brain and operate it from the mind and take it anywhere. And somehow or other that made sense to him. It was hard though, because he was pretty sure everybody outside this um, emergency room was um, stupid and not on his side. And <laughs> but he, he did change. He's, I, don't, I don't mean he turned into a puppy. He didn't, but he did, he did start giving people a break, including himself. And I was proud of him. I was really proud of him because he was a really, really, really smart man. And he did not like being told something that he didn't know. But he got over it and because he wanted to stay married. And that's, now that's love, huh? But I will even listen to something I didn't know because I want to stay married to this woman. Yes. See, isn't the, the, the brain is a wonderful thing now. We're, 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 the three of us are sitting here and we're pulling a memory out to teach ourselves and others. Isn't that, isn't that great? That, um, like I, I told you that I'm 82 and once you get to be 82, there's a thing or two that's happened that you just assume would have missed, but they happened. They, I had a, a, um, a child that died and, you know, to, just stuff that happened. And it's stored up there. But our memories don't get to decide how we use them. Isn't that fortunate? That a memory, a stored memory is there so that we can use it as a story to assist ourselves or someone else or we can leave it stored and forget that it's a memory and relive the painful experience. We can do that. But the memory doesn't decide that for us. Memories don't decide how we use them. We do. We need a boss. That's been really helpful to pass on to trauma folks, people with post-traumatic stress, abuse victims, anybody that's had some pretty difficult, painful things happen. We do not need to be afraid of our own memories. can if we want, but it's nice not to be. It's nice to be able to trust our divine engineering and see that we have more to say how we use all the gifts that we've been given than we thought. There's a lot to be grateful for.
even being able to be grateful. You can be grateful for it. So much freedom in that. That's, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. A long time ago, um, in the early days, there was somebody, I wish I could remember his name so I can give him credit for this. He had um, a, a degenerative disease and he had learned about the principles and he wrote a, uh, a book about it and he called it uh, A Fortunate Misfortune. Isn't that a great title? And I think about that a lot, that the th things that are seemingly feel like misfortunes at the time so often can turn out to be a, a, a fortunate misfortune. That they led to something that maybe you wouldn't have gotten to some other way. We just don't know. I think we think we know. We have a story about the things that are happening and yeah. very powerful story. But I don't think we know the big picture. Mm -mm. But we can get lovingly suspicious. Yeah, love that. This might not be as tragic as we think it is. We'll see how this turns out. This might not be as god-awful as I think it is at the moment. I love that. <laughs> it's, it saves a lot of gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Mavis, I could not only listen to you for all day, but all month. <laughs> You're just, you're just listening to yourself, aren't you? Well, that'd be one way of saying it. Yeah. But I still love listening to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm sure all of our listeners have found this insightful, lovely. I hope so. That they can hear themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in this together. A perfect part of a perfect whole. I yeah. think is what you said earlier, which is a, to me, a wonderful way of describing what you've been pointing at. And true. There's that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. You are so welcome. I appreciate being asked. Take good care. And you. Take care, Mavis. Bye-bye. You've been listening to this week's Under the Noise with our special guest, Mavis Card, uh, with Kate Roberts and myself, Wynne Morgan. If you have any questions or things that you'd love us to talk about in the future, then please let us know. And the contact details for Mavis are also where you found this podcast. And uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, 
Enjoy what's possible under the noise.